Hello, hello, hello. I wanted to just share a couple thoughts about AI because I had two episodes back to back. Um, Steve Patterson kind of talked about what's exciting about AI, what promise uh, there is, all of the potential benefits of technology. We talked about some of the challenges, some of the hardships. And then I had a very different episode with Cyprian talking about, in his view, the very, very real uh, spiritual dangers of AI. And in both conversations, I kind of adopted the um, as if it's true mindset, which is something that I, I use all the time. Uh, I find it very, very helpful for me. So I essentially am going to approach the conversation. I'm not a big fan of debate as a format anyway, but approach the conversation as if what the guest is saying is true and say, if we operate from this worldview and take all of this to be true, what can we glean? What can we learn? And I found both conversations to be really, really interesting uh, in very different ways. Uh, you can go listen to them if you want to. You're going to absolutely hate the conversation with Cyprian if you are a materialist, if you don't believe in a spiritual realm, if you don't like religion. So just ignore that one. If that's not you, it's going to get too weird for you. Um, I thought they were both phenomenal conversations and I enjoy both of those guys' perspectives. And I think both of those conversations are true. And you may look at that and say, well, that's contradictory, right? Like Cyprian is basically saying, you know, AI is literally a demonic entity. We don't know what's behind it. We don't know what we're interacting with and we are summoning demons by using it. And Steve is like, it's an algorithm. It's a computer, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a data processing machine. It's a giant calculator and it does a lot of really cool stuff. And here's all the really cool things we can do with it. And, and Steve is not a materialist, by the way, in like the, you know, crude sense that most people mean it. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think he is in any way. I don't want to speak for, for his metaphysics on here. But, um, but that was the angle that, you know, Steve and I talked about. I think both of those are completely true. I love both conversations. And uh, I don't think I said anything in there that I disagree with, like at least certainly not at the time or not knowingly. So um, I don't see them as contradictory. I see them as two lenses that are both really necessary in the same way that I am a really big fan of the kind of, um, you remember that video from like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something with the guy that's like showing the, you know, increase in all of these metrics of well-being, like, you know, uh, birth rates or, you know, survival of um, children at birth, uh, like wealth and health statistics, blah, 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 right? Like, you know, hey, the industrial revolution, all these things, like, Humanity is improving. Technology is improving our lives. Things are like, I think those are very, very valuable things to remember. That is a necessary truth to remember when people say things about, you know, the poor keep getting poorer and the rich keep getting richer, especially if they're talking about in like a quasi free market economy. It's like, okay, well, let's zoom out and remember that the poorest people today in developed countries, you know, have air access to air conditioned buildings uh their you know obesity is a bigger problem than lack of food uh there are people you know at the bottom quintile have cell phones televisions internet indoor plumbing like just to remember what we're talking about put things in perspective i think it's very very valuable to be like hey what i can do today i mean you want to start a company you can start a startup today for almost zero dollars 
using technology like a smartphone. Oh, I don't know what I just showed on my <laughs> on my screen. Uh, using technology like a smartphone, you know, and all the things we have at our fingertips, those are powerful. Those are amazing, and it's also valuable to recognize that screens in like some sort of symbolic way, you know, the screen is the black mirror and you stare into it and it sucks your soul and it, and it uh, hypnotizes you and it turns you into a zombie. And that that's also true. Both of those things are true. And I don't find any conflict in that. I find people who preach one of those, I find their ideas very, very useful and valuable. You know, like things are getting better and here's a reason to be optimistic and all that stuff. And technology is doing amazing things. And I find the people who are like, technology is turning you into a slave to, to also be very valuable because they're both true and they can both apply to my life. I find them both useful and valuable. And I don't see any conflict in gaining insight and value from both of those presentations of things from different angles. And I feel the same way about AI. I feel like it is very, very valuable to look at what is possible with this technology and understand the benefits of it and all the things that it can do um, and not be afraid of it. And I also think it's very valuable to recognize what it can potentially be or lead to. And so like, I don't, I don't approach this with fear. You know, it's funny when I was talking to, to Cyprian, I love a lot of the patterns that he's seeing. He's like, hey, look at this pattern. This looks a lot like the pattern of the genie in the bottle, which is essentially a spiritual entity that you summon because you want it to give you things that you want faster and better shortcuts. But then you're like beholden to it. It's a trickster. It's deceiving you. And like, this looks like that pattern. Hey, this looks like patterns of all these. I think that's really interesting pattern matching and it's very valuable and it's good sort of cautionary reminders. But there's something... And, and I'm not at all trying to throw Cyprian under the bus. I, if you're listening to this, uh, I, I like you and, and um, again, a lot of value from your stuff. But there's something in that sphere of people who are like, it's a demon, it's a demon, stay away from it. It's going to you know, corrupt your soul. Um, and then even the people who don't believe it's like a literal spiritual demon in some other dimension, but they're like, it's an existential threat to humanity. It's going to destroy everyone. I always think of the, the Bible verse where Paul tells Timothy, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And when I'm operating out of a spirit of fear, that kind of stuff really appeals to me a lot. It's like the doom scrolling, like the demons are coming they're doing this, they're doing that, the AI, it's all like encroaching around you. Ah. But when I think of that verse, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline, suddenly those arguments don't seem very compelling to me. Suddenly they kind of turn into good reminders, good cautionary tales. But also, as I mentioned in the combo with Cyprian, you know, that like the devil is lurking, he's hiding in the corner, waiting to pounce on you. And the famous evangelist Smith Wigglesworth wakes up in the middle of the night, sees a shadowy figure and says, who's there? It says, the devil. And he says, oh, just you? And goes back to sleep. Like, boof, the spell is broken. And, and here's, here's what I think. Like, you've heard the phrase, the devil's in the details. I think that's actually really uh, pressing in many ways that, Maybe the devil's in the response. The demon's not in the AI chatbot. The demon's in your response to it. Where do the demons enter? Where do the negative spiritual forces, the things that get a hold of you, that bind you, make you a slave to fear? 
Where do they enter? I don't think they enter through the technology itself. I think they enter through your heart, through your response to it. And if you respond uh, greedily, lustily, uh, seeking power, you're opening up yourself to influence by dark forces. And you don't even have to believe in demons to just like, you can take this as a metaphor if you want to. Um, I, I happen to believe that there are spiritual realities, but you don't have to, I think, to get value out of the, out of the metaphor. But if you respond with fear of the technology, I think you also are letting the demons in. Because you can get pulled around and ruled by fear of demons as much as you can get pulled around and ruled by the things that you think you can get by making deals with demons, wealth and fame and whatever. I think you can be so afraid. And I, and I grew up around some people in the very, very religious, you know, um, like some certain Christian traditions that were so spiritually awake, so to speak, that they saw demons behind every rock and they, were, they became crippled by superstition, essentially. Like, well, what if I, what if I do this? Will, will that open me up to demonic forces? What if I accidentally look at a billboard that was encoded with secret satanic symbolism? And like, the demons have already won, if that's the case, right? Like those very forces you're worried about influencing you, if your whole life is dominated by fear of that influence, that's them influencing you. I, I see this, you know, this is kind of like the, um, like, the, you know, it's like the joke, like what, you know, conspiracy theorists the conspiracy theories themselves, ideas about secret plans that elites are making, those are the real conspiracy theory because by spinning them out there, you absorb a whole bunch of people who would, who would otherwise be you know, spending their time doing productive things in the world. You absorb all of their energy thinking about conspiracy theories. And whether the theories are, are true or not, doesn't really matter. They've already won. They've already won by absorbing all the energy and attention. And, and Vin talks about, or Vin uh, Cyprian, uh, also known as Vin Armani, talks about, you know, the attention economy. Where are you pointing your attention? And I think he's, he's very prescient with his warnings about, you know, the algorithms designed to take your attention and, like, you become a slave to them. But I think you can also become a slave to fear of them. And one thing I mentioned in our conversation was, you know, you got the white pill. Hey, this is awesome technology. It's going to unleash creativity. You got the black pill. Hey, these are demons coming through a portal called ChatGPT. And uh, I was like, what about the gold pill? Because what is, what makes Christianity, and, and this is me speaking from my assessment, um, and I kind of first got this perspective when I was a teenager from uh, C.S. Lewis as I was reading lots of theology and lots of um, arguments against Christianity, lots of arguments for other religions, just exploring religion, atheism, all these things, theology. And Lewis said something to the effect of, he was an a atheist, but as he, he kept feeling like, there were, you know, he like, he could not escape all of the problems that, and the holes in that. And he came to find that like, Christianity was not a very convenient place to land if you were going to say, okay, fine, I'll acknowledge some kind of spiritual reality. But he found that it was the most courageous. And I think what, what he was getting at is, kind of like Gnostic traditions or ideas of like, okay, there's a spiritual realm and everything in the physical realm is like tainted and we have to become free from it. 
and like enlighten ourselves, ascend, like detach from the physical and reach a higher plane, a higher vibration, all those kind of things. Very attractive. And there is something true about that. But what's really challenging about Christianity, very, very bold in this claim, very challenging, is it claims through Christ, because he was physical, material, human, and died and went down into hell and all the way back up, it redeems everything, every corner of creation from the far fringes all the way, like all the way up and down the entire pattern, the entire hierarchy of existence, which includes the physical, which includes the material. The material is also redeemed. This is a lot of the things that Paul's writing about in his, in his letters are, you know, meat sacrifice to idols and all these different things. And he's kind of talking about like, Look, like, yes, if, if these things are causing people to stumble, if there's, you know, idolatry, if there's this, this, and that, yeah, avoid them. But to the pure, all things are pure. Like, that's what the gospel message is, that the chains of demonic entities have been broken and the ent entirety of creation has been redeemed. And the job of sort of followers of Christ is to go and proclaim and fulfill that message, to reclaim all of creation right? Even dead bodies will rise. That's the concept of resurrection. Like, so the physical, the material is also redeemed. And there's something uh, Tolkien calls the eucatastrophe, right? The turn in the Christian story is like the very catastrophe, the very point of the worst, most horrific thing you can imagine. It is by that very thing that the Eucharist, the, the you know, communion, the, the, the victory is won. What the, it says in, in scripture, what the devil meant for evil, you know, God has turned to good. Of course, the crucifixion of Christ being this. And I, and I mentioned a Vin, I said, well, what about the redemption, right? This is the gold pill, the redemption of technology, right? Because you can think of all kinds of reasons someone could describe the invention of an automobile as something that has, you know, or any other technology, these properties that could let demons in or whatever. And those might all be true. But you could also say, but then somebody went and used an automobile, uh, an ambulance, to go uh, get to someone and get them to the hospital before they died and save them. That technology was used for good, right? That's a, a redeemed version of that technology. And I said, what about the cross? I cannot think of a technology that is more diabolical, right? Literally something designed, precisely designed to inflict the maximum amount of suffering and humiliation on a human that, that the state, uh, Roman state and, and others would take their enemies, whether or not they were bad people and, and pound them, uh, you know, nail them to a cross so that they would asphyxiate slowly and agonizingly publicly for all to see a human sacrifice in the public square. Can you think of something more diabolical that gives more energy to demons or people who are have bloodlust and they want to see their enemies crucified or just inflict suffering for its own sake? Like, what a what a horrible technology! Horrible. How could you see that as something good? What possible world could you redeem a torture device? A torture device. It being used as a torture and murder device on Christ broke its power and actually inverted, reversed it. And now, instead of being something uh, to torture and destroy humans, 
the cross is something to torture and drive out demons. Now the cross symbol has been so utterly redeemed, it is used to ward off evil spirits. Like, that's redemption. Holy cow. That is the, holy cow, uh, in, a, in a Christian, uh, <laughs> talking about Christian theology. I probably committed all kinds of horrible faux pas there. Um, that's incredible, right? Like, that's when, that's when you see the Christian concept. And again, whether or not you're a Christian, but this idea of redeeming for good what was intended for evil. And this appeals to all of us, Christian or not, when you watch those stories, right? Like the, the very thing that was intended to destroy the good guy ends up being the means of their survival and their salvation and the salvation of others. And it's that inversion of what was intended for evil. How can you see that and then not see that that's, how is that not possible for every technology? There's a redeemed version of everything. And I mentioned this to, to Cyprian, and, and he liked the concept of the gold pill and river, but I was kind of dissatisfied with, you know, I, I think he sort of took it as, yeah, here's the gold pill. More people will be scared of chat GPT, so they won't use it, and they'll turn off technology, and they'll inter interact with demons less. And I thought, well, that's not really redemption, right? That's just scaring people away. So, you know, the redeemed version of the cross isn't just people stop using crosses. It's no they started using crosses more than ever for a completely different purpose. They started using them as a tool to fight the darkness instead of spread it. Like that's redemption. Christianity is not cowardly. It's not afraid or, or, or that concept. Again, if you want to remove, if you don't want to think of this in a purely Christian concept, the redemptive concept, the concept of humanity at its highest good, aiming itself at its highest calling is not afraid, is not, doesn't run, it redeems. So why could you not take a tool, even if it is entirely possible, plausible, and likely for dark influences, whether, whether it's, you know, uh, the NSA spying on you or trying to manipulate you by creating, you know, narratives through chat GPT to brainwash you into state propaganda or literal spiritual entities or psychological handicaps that you're getting from interacting with AI, all of these dark things are entering through this technology. Why could you not also use that technology to fight the darkness? Find me a time when that pattern hasn't worked, when the U catastrophe didn't work, where something couldn't be redeemed. I feel like that's missing. I feel like this spirit of fear and like sensationalism, it doesn't rub me the right way. Caution, yes. Acknowledgement, I, I think the acknowledgement of the spiritual reality behind everything in the world, that like there are spiritual realities, there are entities and consciousness, consciousnesses that we don't understand behind everything and attached to everything. And things have dangers in them that we have forgotten because we've been protected from them. In, in developed countries, we've kind of been protected from... Uh, you know, the spiritual dangers of the world because they've, they've all been sort of driven into hiding as Christianity spread across the world in like seedy little basements. But they've been coming out in more and more in recent years as, you know, religion has sort of waned and become not as cool and just sort of a thing that's taken for granted. And people have just kind of been materialists and atheists and not really taking the spiritual seriously. That's coming back. People are taking it seriously again 
after everything that people have experienced, especially in the last three to five years, I would say, um, people are like, whoa, there's things happening in the world that I can't explain with purely a materialist paradigm. I've got it. There's got to be a spiritual explanation. I think that's really powerful. I think being aware of those dangers, being aware that interacting with your screen, your cell phone, or chat GPT, or any other technology, or certain people in your life might mean that you are interacting with entities that are don't mean you good and are dangerous. Or, or taking an ayahuasca trip and you go talk to some machine elves. Maybe you should consider that there's something there that's dangerous. You got to be careful what you're dabbling with. Like, I think those are wise, wise insights and watch what's happening in the world and be cautious. But I think if you stop there, then you, you can fall into a dangerous superstition, a fear-based superstition where just at every corner, you're just like, you know, demons and darkness everywhere. Or if you're a conspiracy theorist, not looking in the spiritual side, like elites and governments and conspiracies everywhere. And like, whether or not that's true, it may be true. But whether or not it's true, you've already lost, they've already won if your life is ruled by that fear. So I think that's, that's important to, to keep in mind. So, um, you know, I'm still just curious and open-minded. I, I, while I see a few things that have got me pretty, you know, kind of excited about the possibility of AI, as I alluded to in my conversation with Steve, I still haven't found any like real use case for myself. I have some colleagues who have used it in some valuable ways and seem to enjoy it. I'm kind of just like, I don't really see it yet. I'm watching. It's interesting. And I think there's some cool potential here. I'm also uh, watching and wary of seeing the damaging effects, just like I think social media and cell phones and everything else has damaging effects. Uh, television news has horribly damaging effects, which is why I opted out of that like 15 years ago and never looked back. So like, I'm not at all opposed to turning away from technology, tuning out things when you notice that they're creating more ill effects in your life than positive um, and, and being shrewd about that and paying attention. Uh, but I think it's important to like bring a sense of courage and bring a sense of what was intended for evil can be turned to good. Bring a sense of fearlessness about the redemptive power of good. Uh, so anyway, that's um, that's kind of my current take right now as I'm just sort of watching all this stuff. And uh, I like just following people who are saying interesting things and, and trying to see what I can learn. Um, and to be honest, like I don't spend very much time on it. I, I don't spend very, I mean, as you notice, I hardly ever post podcasts uh, for the last several years. I'm mostly, I'm just focusing on uh, building a company that has nothing to do with any of this stuff. And uh, building my family. Right. So, but I do find these things interesting to kind of keep my finger on the pulse and thought after those two episodes, I would record just a little solo episode on this stuff.